Danny, um, as I start off, I try and think of something witty to tell you all so that it will make you chuckle and it will break the ice. But it turns out there's very little witty things you can say when you talk about the end of the world. (laughs) So instead, I'm just going to say welcome to the end of the world part two. For for those of you who weren't with us uh, last week, last week we um, started to look at this passage um, in Luke where Jesus is talking prophetically about what will come uh, at the the end of the world. Uh, Somebody should be running a bingo on how many times I say that. Um, And Kai talked last week. Uh, about the destruction of the temple, of about wars and persecution, and uh, of the destruction of Jerusalem. You see, he mocks me, but he was no happier. And um, yeah, so this is a continuation um, of, of that, of Jesus talking prophetically about what is going to happen in the future and before I get too too far down this line um, because again it went so well when I mentioned it last week I want us to talk about Christmas somebody said yay there is one person in the room who is with me but you see very bizarrely um, the reading that we just heard read is often set as the reading for the day on the first Sunday of Advent. You see, there is a reason about I want to talk about Christmas. And it's just a bit weird, isn't it? That at the beginning of Advent, when we're supposed to be thinking about nice little manger setups and Jesus coming as a baby, they set us a reading about death, destruction, and the end of the world. But I think what it does is it kind of brings to the forefront of our minds, doesn't it, these kind of apparent contradictions that you get with Jesus. You know, on the one hand, we've got Jesus as this helpless baby um, being born on earth. And on the other hand, you've got this uh, Jesus prophetically talking about him coming in power and great glory, At Christmas, over here on one hand, you have got skies filled of angel armies singing of joy to the world and of good news. But on this side, you've got human armies surrounding cities and bringing destruction. On this side, you have joy and peace. And on this side, you have anything but It's all a bit of a contradiction. And Jesus himself, uh, Jesus, uh, I was going to say, doesn't get much better. But that's not what I mean. Don't take that home with you. Um, What I mean is like Jesus comes and he says, you know, if you want to, to keep your life, you must lose it. Jesus comes as a baby, but yet is the savior of the world. Jesus says to his disciples in another passage from Luke that we talked about a few weeks ago, I did not come to bring peace, I came to bring division. And then the same Jesus, when he comes back and speaks to the disciples, says, peace be with you. Jesus died so that there might be life. And the, 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 you know, the pinnacle of it all, Jesus was both fully human and fully God. Shall we just go home now? (laughs) 
You see, so often in life we want to think at things um, kind of black and white and the whole thing of something has to be either this or it has to be either that. But actually, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the kingdom of God, actually, it's a paradox. It's not an either or. I've got to get this right. But it's a both and. Yeah? I am going to do my level best not to tie us all up in knots, okay? But stick with me. You see, the kingdom of God is both and. The kingdom of God is both here and now. But it is also not yet. You see, we know that Jesus has already beaten death. He has already died and uh, risen again. And he has the ultimate victory over death, sin and the devil and everything. But in the here and now, the battle between good and evil still rages on. We know how it will finish. We know when it comes to its fulfillment that God wins. But we're not there yet. We are both and. And we live these things in our own life as well, you know. We, we have both suffering and comfort. We have both sadness and joy. It's both And it's and we live in a kingdom that is now and not yet. We know how it's ending, but we've still got to live in the here and now. It's a little bit like watching uh, Argentina in the All Blacks on Friday night. I am so pleased that I don't have to use England as an excuse because they did all right yesterday. Um, But by half time, we all knew that the All Blacks hadn't beat. We all knew how it ended, but we still had to play out the second half. And this is kind of the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We, we know how it's going to end. It's going to end when Jesus comes in power and great glory. And he's going to take his rightful place and he will restore this uh, whole universe to how it is supposed to be. And all that will remain is good. But in the here and now, the battle rages on. And so I want us, if it's all right with you, to think a little bit tonight about how do we live in this now and not yet. And one of the things that Jesus says to us is you live watchfully. Jesus says, stay awake, be alert. We are challenged to be alert to the things that Jesus is doing. And I don't want to repeat too much of what Kai said last week. But the the challenge on us is that we keep our eyes fixed on God, that every single day we tune to him, that we seek out what Jesus is doing and that we practice the gift of discernment so that we don't lose focus, so that we don't... um, get distracted by all the other things that are going on. We live watchfully and we are alert to the things that Jesus is doing so that we might, not so that we might, don't, don't misinterpret me, so it's, it's not that we're going to be alert and we're looking for all these signs of what Jesus is doing so that we can predict exactly when he's coming back. That's not the idea. We're told that um, we will not know that. It's about being alert to what Jesus is doing so that... 
we can keep close to him so that we can focus on him and keep him the main thing in all that we do. And if we're going to do that, we need to discern what is of God and what is not of God. And we get that as a gift from God. And there are people who, uh, bless it, who God blesses with this gift. And you know what? If you know someone that's got the gift of discernment, I genuinely believe as, as, as individuals and as churches, we've got to treasure them. And we've got to listen to them and trust them so that we can stay alert to the things that God is doing. So that we can stay focused on his ways, his commands, his promises. To live in the here, the now and not yet. We must be watchful and alert for the things of God. But we also, if we live like that, we live without fear. And, um, sorry. I'm aware that's a very bizarre thing to say, kind of, when we're talking about the end of the world. (laughs) Because it's very easy, isn't it, to look at the world around us right now and be terrified. I mean, I would be lying if I didn't tell you there are times when I look at what is going on in our country, in countries across the world, when we look at conflicts, when we look at the natural disasters that are happening, and I am fearful. I am fearful for the world that my children and the future generations will um, inherit. And yet, and yet, as children of God, we do not have to fear. There's this wonderful image in the passage that we read, um, and I think my version is slightly different to yours, but trust me. Um, And it says this, it says, um, stand straight, look up, for your redemption is near. And I love that image because when you think of things or people being fearful, think about when you were little or maybe not so little and you got scared of something. What did you do? Maybe you ran into your room and you hid under your duvet. Maybe if you were little enough, you hid under the bed or in a corner. And when you're fearful, you kind of, you cover yourself up or you make yourself as small as you possibly can. For some of us, that's easier than others, just before somebody else makes the short joke. But you, you make yourself as small as you can so that whatever it is that might be after you, hopefully won't see you and you won't get got. Yeah? And so if we're fearful, you kind of got this idea of kind of the whole world going to pot, essentially. And we could cower in the corner and make ourselves as small as we possibly could. But God doesn't say that. God says, when the world is going to pot, he says, you stand up. You stand up straight and you look up because your redemption is near. You don't fear. When the rest of the world is telling you, you should be scared. When nation is rising up against nation and goodness only knows what else is happening, you don't cower away. You don't make yourself as small as you can be so no one can see you. No, you stand up. You are unashamed. You look to the sky because your redemption is near. We do not fear because Jesus is coming. Our Jesus, 
our Jesus, the Savior, the Jesus who has bought eternity for us, is coming. And when he comes, we, we are not fearful. We stand up and we welcome him and we are unashamed and we live without fear. Does that mean that you will never be fearful and never be anxious ever again? Be good if it did, didn't it? It doesn't mean that we won't ever feel those things. But it means that we know that we do not have to fear that we can call on the name of God and he will give us that peace, that peace that passes all understanding. Because we are his children and he is coming back to claim us as his own so that we might live with him for all eternity. And when we know that, we have nothing to fear. When we live in the now but the not yet, we live watchfully. We are alert to what Jesus is doing. We live without fear. And we live without fear because we live in hope. And hope is this word, isn't it? Hope is one of these words that we kind of chuck around in churches a lot. Just because I know how you love it so much. Look how many Christmas cards have the word hope on it. And for my money, I think they're a kind of... Two types of hope um, in this world. There are the kind of worldly hope that we have, that kind of hope. When I leave the house in the evening and I say to the kids, I hope I'll be back by bedtime. Now, we all know that what that means is, I really kind of want to be back by bedtime, but I might not. It's kind of like a fingers crossed, wishful kind of hope. But then there is the hope that we have in Jesus. There is, and that is a sure and certain hope. That is the kind of hope that doesn't need fingers crossed, I wish. That is the kind of hope that says, whatever is happening, I put my hope in Jesus because I know he is a saviour and I know that my eternity is secure in him. And this is the kind of hope that we are called to live with. And living in hope doesn't mean that, that, that life won't chuck stuff at us. We live in this world and we are fallen and it is a fallen world. And that means that there, um, there are times when we will suffer, we will grieve, we will lose, we will, you know, we're not immune to any of that stuff. But actually what living in hope does... It means that when we, when we face that stuff, we know that it will not overcome us because Jesus is, is who we have our hope in and Jesus is the light of the world. And as John tells us, he is the light that shines in the darkness and that the darkness will not overcome it. Being children of God doesn't make us immune from what happens in this world. But having hope in Jesus gives us the courage to know that it will not overcome us. Because our hope is not in this life and it is not in this world. But it is in Jesus and it is for all of eternity. When we live in the now and the not yet, we live watchfully for what Jesus is doing. We live without fear because we live in hope. But then we've got to share that hope. 
if we don't share the hope of the coming of Jesus with other people, not to put too fine a point on it, it makes the now and the not yetness of the kingdom completely and utterly pointless. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that he is ultimately victorious. But we also know that the battle is still going on now. That means there are um, people who do not yet know Jesus. There are people who still have an opportunity to turn to him before he comes again. You know, this life that we live in Jesus, it isn't some kind of secret that we need to keep to ourselves. Actually, this time of the now and the not yet, this time where we're waiting for Jesus to bring ultimate fulfillment and come again, this is the time. It's it's a precious privilege that we have to share Jesus with as many people as we possibly can. Because this hope and this joy that we have, this um, knowledge that we don't have to live in fear... It's something that we should have a burning desire to share with other people. I, um, I read this book and I cannot remember what it was called. And um, I'm going to make it sound really terrible, but it's not as terrible as it's about to come across, okay? And um, the general premise of this book um, is that there's a group of friends and they all die in a car crash, <laughs> it's it's not this bad but anyway um, and so these friends they die in a a car crash and they end up in what I guess um, would be kind of like a purgatory type place and they're waiting some of them are waiting to go to heaven and some of them are waiting to go to hell and they're kind of in the queue but they can all see each other and they know which queue they're in and this kid he's in the queue to go to heaven and he's looking around and he's thinking this is good and then he looks over into the other queue that's waiting to go to hell. And, his, and a friend of his is stood there. And she looks at him. And she says, why didn't you tell me? Now, I don't remember what happened in the rest of the book. I hope it was happier than that. But that image has always stuck with me. Because I don't know the ins and outs of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes. But my goodness, I do not want anyone to look at me and say to me, why didn't you tell me? We have this amazing and wonderful hope in Jesus. We have Jesus who came as a baby, Emmanuel, God with us, lived among us, who died and rose again and who is coming back in great power and great glory to claim the ultimate victory over the devil. And we have this wonderful privilege of being able to share that with other people so that when the time comes, when the world is going to pot and others are cowering away with fear, that they with us might stand up straight and look up because our redemption is near. Shall we pray together? God, we thank you. We thank you that you are the God of all things. 
We thank you that whatever we face, everything that we see, everything that we touch, you hold in your hands. God, we thank you that you that you are the one who sent your only son that he humbled himself and came as a baby that he grew up that he died the cruelest of death on a cross for each and every one of us Father we thank you that you loved us so much Lord, we thank you that through Jesus you have conquered death and sin and the devil forever. We thank you that the ultimate victory is yours and one day you will come again in great power and great glory and you will reconcile us and all things to yourself. Father God, thank you that you loved us so much that you made us part of your plan. God, as your people, as your children, may we always be awake and alert to your ways. Would you bless us, Lord, with the gift of discernment so that our eyes may not be taken away, that our focus would be fixed on you. And Lord, for... For us, Lord, would we, would you help us to recognize those who you have blessed with the gift of discernment? Would you give us the courage and the boldness that we need to listen to them and to trust the things that you tell them? God, may we be a bunch of people who stick close to you and who follow in your footsteps. God, we thank you that in you we have the sure and certain hope. Thank you, Lord, that it is a hope that this world cannot offer us. Thank you, Lord, that we have no need to fear when our trust and hope is in you. But God, we do acknowledge, we do acknowledge that there is fear and anxiousness in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and that you would minister to us in those places. God, we think of those people in this world who are living in fear for those who are uh, caught up in in the conflicts the many conflicts that are raging in this world Lord we pray for those who are fearful for the future for those who are struggling with the cost of living, for those who are living in places that are being torn apart by natural disaster. And Lord, sometimes when we look at this world, there is so much going on and we feel so small and helpless that we don't know what to pray. 
And Lord, we ask that in these moments as we just come to you by the power of your spirit, would would your Holy Spirit just intercede for us? We pray, Lord, for a fresh outpouring of your spirit upon this world. God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. We thank you that we are counted as your children. Would you help us to recognize the responsibility and the privilege that we have in telling others about you? God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to join you in your mission to this world. We pray, Lord, that by your spirit you would minister to us, that you would equip us and challenge us And give us the courage and the boldness that we need to step out in your name. We do this, Lord, not for our own greatness and our own glory. But we do it, Lord, for you. That we might see your name glorified. That we might see others come to know you. That we might see more signs and glimpses of your kingdom in this place. Lord Jesus, would you come?